The Old Testament reading for this Canis Sunday is the account of the first marriage of Adam and Eve from Genesis chapter 2. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the beasts of the field and all of the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam... No suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Here ends the Old Testament. The epistle reading is recorded in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning verse 21, where Paul speaks to husbands and wives now in this sinful world. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ... So also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. We are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Here ends the epistle. We stand in honor of the Holy Gospel. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. 
My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their trust in him. Here ends the Holy Gospel. Okay, all the little people. Well, almost all the little people. You guys can come up too. Well, unless you're as big as your dad. (laughs) Too little. I think they're all on vacation. Are they hiding underneath the seats? Well, look at this big group. I may have to come to you. I got a toy. See? Now, before a man and woman get together to be married, they're like these separate little wheels. They do what they want to. They go out when they want to. They do what they feel. But now in marriage, this is the other side. See this? Now these are gear wheels. See how they work together? See that? This explains how God made Adam and Eve. Adam was there, and all the animals came by, and there was no animal that meshed, worked together with Adam, like this. So that's when God said, I'm going to make Eve, and he brought Adam and Eve together, so they work like this. Mommies and daddies don't think the same way. They don't talk the same way. The way they get things done is all different. That's this meshing. If wives, you say to yourself, I'm never going to figure out my husband, you've just stumbled onto a truth. How's that? You want to see it? See? This meshing of husband and wife is complicated by the fact that sin gets in there like dirt in the gears. So sometimes things can get really stuck. But Jesus is the one who graciously 
cleans out the gears by forgiveness. So husbands and wives, you'll never figure each other out, even in the new creation. Husbands and wives just do everything different, think differently, get things done differently, but that's okay. That's the way God made it from the beginning. So it works just like that. Uh-huh, okay. Can I spin it one more time? Okay, you can go back. You were so brave this morning, so brave. Sanctify them by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. The important part of the gospel reading is at the end. No one would have ever guessed that the most important, the first miracle that Jesus the Savior would ever do would have anything to do with a wedding. The other Gospels give the indication that he was busy healing people from diseases and sicknesses and getting rid of evil spirits and all these common things we think we need help with. But the thing we need the help with the most is the very thing that we think we have in hand that we know what to do that of marriage. This, the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee, and he thus revealed his glory. This tells us that of all the things that God created, it is marriage that is the most important, but it's also the most frail. This couple in Cana in the northern part of Israel had apparently made all the plans. So had the parents. Remember all the stuff you went through to get married? All that stuff? All the fittings? All the meal prep? All of the cards? Relatives coming in from all over? And you had to get it all perfect, right? Because you don't want to upset relatives. In this case, the unheard of thing happened. Those things could have been looked over in ancient days, but there's one thing that simply could not happen, that they would run out of wine for the wedding feast or festival. In point of fact, this couple were legally married the moment that they signed papers and exchanged official gifts. But it's at the wedding feast where they're supposed to have a picture of what's going to be in heaven itself. Wedding feasts are a picture of the Lamb in his kingdom, which has no end. But they ran out of wine. Nobody knows this at first, except Mary notes it. They have no more wine. I'm not going to go into parallels about wedding feasts in this country, but what if someone said, the caterer didn't show up? Or in some weddings, the guy at the bar didn't show up? Or the musicians didn't show up? What kind of wedding would that be? Certainly wouldn't be any fun. But what's the purpose of Christian marriage anyway? Fun? How many of you have been married, oh, let's say, at least 25 years? I'll use a phrase from American culture. Are you having fun yet? <laughs> the root 
of marriage is not fun and partying and such things. The root of marriage is faithfulness and unselfish love to each other. This wondrous cooperation of two individuals who are so very much different. But from the beginning, God intended that there be this meshing, this helping, where one is weak, the other is strong. The Apostle Paul, of all things, in the epistle, gives us a clearer picture of this cooperation, but he's going to be doing it in terms of military hardware, of all things. Military hardware? The translations that we've had for a long time say this terrible word, submit. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. That sounds like Islam, because Islam in Arabic means submit. Let your husband put you under his thumb. No farther notion could be from the truth. This is probably what you think of as a shield. This is for the light infantry so they can move around quickly. They had a sword or a spear. This was light. I could not find the right-sized shield for what Paul is talking about. So I just got a piece of styrofoam. How's that? The term submit, hypotasita in Greek, is a military term. It's a term that means you're going to cooperate together. This kind of shield was used by the men on the line. It was also used by a, a very specialized group that would make something called a phalanx. Men with a phalanx would have these large body shields and they would form a square. The men on the outside would hold it thus and lock the shields together. The men in the middle would hold their shields up on the top. And it was all important that they absolutely, in lockstep order, at the command of their officer, and step. And they would step exactly in form. And they could move up on the enemy at will. No amount of arrows, spears, rocks, projectiles could stop the phalanx as long as they continued to cooperate together. The Greek term means put yourself in proper order. If you cooperate together, it'll all well, go well. Well, just like you all cooperate a little, little brimly, right? Right now, Grandpa's good with it. But if she walks a little more, then maybe grandma will have to take care of it, or mom. Dad's already busy. With this understanding, you see, Christian marriage by the Apostle Paul is really saying it's a cooperative effort. You have to work with each other in marriage. It cannot ever be me first, or what do I get out of this? That's the same as destroying the old formation of the phalanx. It's deadly. Too bad we still don't speak Greek. 
or join the, the Greek army. This helps us understand a whole lot. But notice how he begins. And, and Daryl, you, you, you forgot that first verse. Daryl, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. To one another. When either one of husband or wife has a special need or a weakness, it's you take up that point. You step in to help the other. Even if you might say to yourself, eh, I don't like this, or he deserves whatever he's going to get. When you think that way, the whole assembly of Christian marriage falls apart. He uses the word hypotasita, submit, saying that to wives, but did you notice there's something even more difficult happening when Paul talks to the husbands? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up on her behalf. We're not talking about kiss, kiss, smoochy, smoochy, giving chocolate, this kind of stuff. Romantic love is not the term here. It's the term agape, godly loved. Now, the whole notion of godly love is like a garden hose. If I have a garden hose, how does it work? I turn on the spigot, and, and which direction does the water go? Dumb question. It only goes one direction. From you, the one holding it, to whatever is going to get the water. Agape is that kind of love that constantly flows from you to the other. <clears throat> It is not a sucking siphon hose that takes things from everybody else. That's completely backwards. Husbands, agapete, love your wives. Notice in the same way that Christ loved the church. It flowed from him to his bride, the church. And what did Jesus do to show this unselfish love? He gave himself on her behalf, that sacrificial language. He withheld nothing for the benefit of his church. He dies for the sake of his church. The church comes first. He is the lowly servant. That's why as things are set up here, <clears throat> it looks kind of like a wedding service. The crucifix is always here, a reminder of the kind of love that's necessary. Christ's candle to point out that Christ is the light of your life together. And some of you may have wondered, what in the world is Pastor doing with purple candles? Did he run out of real candles? Couldn't he find any white ones? What's with this purple business? Again, we go back to the banner of the 500th anniversary and now by this point, you can give me the answer pretty easily. Basically, what is the first of the 95 theses that Luther wrote? The first one and most important one is all of Christian life is repentance, the acknowledgement of sin, the asking of forgiveness, the trusting of God's grace, which is shown in Christ at the cross. 
Purple candles point us back to repentance, which is again a key and important part of Christian marriage together. None of this business of keeping records of wrongs, none of these things of, why well, did that for you, now I get to do this, that's unchristian. It tears a marriage to pieces if you keep records like that. If the other does something wrong or foolish or selfish, don't hold it, hide it, and throw it out later as ammunition in a battle. It's to be forgiven in the same way as Christ forgives his entire church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in this saving faith. Christian marriage, you see, is not really that difficult to understand. It is a meshing of strange creatures who don't understand each other, (coughs) and it is a wondrous cooperation together to help and protect each other through all the difficulties of life, and it's a situation of giving and sharing this Christ-like love. So how can there possibly be marriage? Today is Father's Day, correct? Who is going to do the barbecuing on Father's Day? There's two possible answers. Father, because he likes to do it. Or mother, because she wants to have something that's edible. (laughs) What's the food for a Christian marriage? What's going to sustain it? Certainly not romance. Spending $500 to go up to, say, Traverse City to a fancy hotel and sit around and bubble in a hot tub and go out for drinks, is that really going to improve your Christian marriage? No, especially when you get the bill later. Or if you never felt very romantic during the whole process, you'll think it's a waste. The food that sustains Christian marriage, this faith in Christ, is his word and also his supper. In this way, Christ assures you of this forgiveness that he gained at the cross for you both, and he will draw you together in this wondrous, heavenly, forgiving love. It is by God's institution and following his word regarding what marriage truly is that there will be this wondrous blessing. And not only in this world, but on a spiritual level as well. This is the first thing in Jesus' plan of blessing for mankind. Marriage comes ahead of everything else. And on this Cana Sunday, the Savior longs to bless all of us together as his bride, the church. Amen. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting.